Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Your mind is what your brain does. And your brain is just an organ like every other organ in your body. And when it doesn't work right, your behavior is not going to be right because you're not in your right mind. And that's part of the brokenness of sin, you know, in our lives, certainly. That is Pastor Brad Hoffs describing his experience with leading a large church and experience episodes of bipolar. The name of this program is Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Welcome to Life Support hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, co-sponsor of this program, and our goal, as always, is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul. Hey, so glad to have you on Life Support. What we do on this podcast is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through life's suffering and trauma. And I'm very glad to introduce for our time together, Brad Hoffs, who's the founder and president of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. And it's so good to see you, Brad. Thank you for being here. Great to be here. Um, And I'm glad to be in Las Vegas as opposed to Minneapolis right now. It's cold there, right? A little bit? Well, uh, we're experiencing our own little heat wave now. But the good thing is, is that it'll be 20 below in a week. So we just kind of wait it out and then we'll be just fine. Um, But I'm glad I'm so glad you're with us. Tell me uh, that it's a very intriguing name of an organization. Tell me about how that organization came to be. Yes, well, in 1995, I didn't know how sick I was. I um, had bipolar disorder and was pastoring one of the fastest growing churches in North America. And I had a major manic episode that landed me up in the news and all kinds of stuff. I was one of those pastors. And I um, ended up uh, being forced to resign. And a group of people came behind me and said, no, this is mental illness. This is not sin. This is not this. This is not that. But it's just typical bipolar manic behavior and what they did is they started a church and uh, then they said we want to call you to be our pastor but we don't want you to work we want you to just get better and um, then we'd like you to serve us as our pastor but if you don't want to we're fine with that and they gave me an 18 percent pay raise wow and so for 18 months or more i did not work and all I did was work on getting better and figuring out the disorder, et cetera. Then um, I went on to start pastoring them and it took me, I, I really was still in the throes of trauma for the next seven years. And um, <clears throat> at seven years, I had a nephew, um, after diagnosis, I had a nephew that was in a terrible bus crash that put my stress level way over because I just have one sister, two nephews. And um, 
in the process, I got my medicine mixed up and then I went off the rails again and ended up in the hospital. And of course the news then reports everything. And, um, and it was a manic episode also that, you know, just, it was bad. And when I got out, I started to go to support groups and I knew that I didn't know enough about the disease or the disorder. And so I, um, went to some support group meetings and I got to tell you, they, I, I walked out of there more hopeless every time because it was more about people just talking about how horrible it was to have mental illness, how difficult, et cetera, et cetera. And so I um, started complaining to my doctor and pretty soon, a couple of years later, he said, well, why don't you start the kind of group you'd like to attend? And that's when I realized, because I was looking for hope-filled, you know, something that was faith-based. And lo and behold, um, I couldn't find anything. So we, together with my doctor's encouragement, um, I started the group that I'd like to attend. And that grew into a whole bunch of groups across the United States and then other countries. Well, thank you for sharing that. And we can dig into some of those details here in a moment. But it seems to me in having um, dealt with mental illness and uh, some of my kids and the trauma they've been through, um, it's a very difficult, difficult thing. Because when you have an outward disability, um, everyone can, can tell, they can see. But mental health kind of hides. And it's very difficult for people to distinguish mental health issues from sin, like you said, and this guy's just downright crazy or whatever. So tell me what it was like for you to try to navigate through this evangelical world having this disorder. It was very difficult because what I realize now is that your, your mind is what your brain does. And your brain is just an organ like every other organ in your body. And when it doesn't work right, your behavior is not going to be right because you're not in your right mind. And that's part of the brokenness of sin, you know, in our lives, certainly. But it has the understanding of uh, knowing that sometimes people don't choose the behavior. It comes about as a result of a broken brain. And um, that's not to excuse. I have to take full responsibility for anything I did when I was manic. That, that doesn't, um, but it is the explanation of why. And so there's certainly a difference between somebody choosing in their right mind to do something versus choosing to do something when their brain's not working right. And so that's how I had, I had to start kind of rethinking my own theology. Um, and um, I found solace in the fact that the ancient church fathers did um, recognize the fact that there were at times things and difficulties that people had that, um, and I don't recall the theological term, but it meant that uh, behavior that comes about because of the brokenness of mankind, not due to a decision. And um, I was on the uh, governor's, um, for Nebraska, the governor's advisory uh, committee for mental health stuff. And I, I was shocked when I finally figured it out. Oh, this is behavioral health sciences. 
oh, yeah, because it has to do with behavior. <laughs> and so it is an unseen um, disability. It is an unseen challenge, um, but it does show up. There are symptoms, and the symptoms usually are going to show up in how somebody behaves in some way, shape, or form, or how they think. And um, that, you know, if the if the evangelical church would just learn to understand the, the functions of the brain, I think we would find more compassion in the community for mental health challenges that people have. Fortunately, the good news, and for anybody listening, is that if you have a mental health challenge and you are treated for it properly and, and receive the right kind of care, you can live well in spite of having um, I have basically had little to no issues with bipolar disorder over the last 18, 19 years. Um, there's been little blips here and there with some depression or um, seldom elevated mood. Um, the older I get, the more I'm probably uh, bipolar type two than I am one. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you talk about the sin issue because uh, we do live in a fallen world, and so often in the church we 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 desperately want to hold on to biblical values, and we do. Of course, we should. We should have a biblical worldview. We we are called to strive for holiness in our behavior, but I've been working through First John in my own personal devotions, which. I should probably do every day for the rest of my life. But the number one thing is love. And, you know, and we look at that and go like, well, that's kind of soft. And, well, yeah, but it's it's there. And to love someone who may be struggling with this, number one, is hard. Number two, if you're struggling with it, it's hard to love yourself, right? Absolutely. And um, the, you know, in First John, when he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And then he goes on to say, basically, it is all about love. And I, I would challenge people to start with love and grace and mercy first. Um, because, for instance, let's say somebody has Tourette's syndrome. And we understand that there's something wrong with their brain. And then they just shout out things. And sometimes those things are very inappropriate, what they shout out or what they do or what they say. And we understand that. Or if somebody's had a um, stroke, we understand that their brain doesn't work right. So they're not going to be able to talk or their personality changes or whatever. If somebody has a brain tumor, I had a friend who had a brain tumor and um, he would say, he went through one phase where he would say the opposite of what he meant. So if he meant down, he said up. And it was just um, one of those things where you understood that the brain wasn't working. If we just look at mental illnesses the same way and understand that it's a broken brain, we can offer the same grace, the same love, the same mercy that we would to somebody who has a brain tumor, for instance. Why do you think that, generally speaking, the church 
with a capital C, has been slow to recognize that this is a real issue and and really how to deal with it has come not easy either, right? Yeah. Um, I think the church is being forced to address this, and I think the pandemic is only going to make it more complicated and worse. Um, it, there's a tsunami of mental health stuff and trauma coming at the church um, at our society, period. Um, but in regards to understanding it, I, I had, I really believe that we have little theology around the behavior of people. We, we think that behavior is chosen. We've got a very simple view of it. And I think it's much more complex. And I think um, understanding what happens when a brain does not work right, or let's say some, a child grows up with terrible trauma and the trauma is going to block a lot of things in that child's life, including spiritual growth. Um, you know, the American Bible Society has underneath it the um, Institute for Healing uh, or for Trauma Healing. And years ago, they, I think it was 18, 20 years ago now, that they were trying to evangelize in Africa and nothing was happening. Nobody was receiving Christ. No lives were really being transformed. And then it dawned on them, these people have a huge amount of trauma. They're, they're not even coping with day-to-day -day living. And, you know, Scripture tells us you hear the word. Well, in order to hear it, it has to be able to get to the right places. But it was going through this clogged filter of trauma for people. and. Um, so they started doing trauma healing, and then they saw results. And I, I really believe the Lord wants us to walk through our brokenness. He wants us to heal. He wants us to understand that. Um, and then he can really transform lives. But part of that is that the filtering system, if it's really clogged up, that's why we end up with a lot of pardon me, but I may offend some people when I say this, but toxic Christianity. Yeah, how do you define that? What's toxic, toxic Christianity? Well, toxic Christianity is when usually when somebody is not emotionally healthy and um, or they've had addictive behaviors and now they just replace religion with it, mm -hmm. you know, and um, toxic in the way that it's legalistic legalistic um you know and they're emotionally immature you know they or they have little to no emotional regulation and i think in america we've just separated out psychology and just said that's totally separate and christianity's over here and we don't mix the two well why don't we do that with the rest of science you know we don't do that we we understand that medicine has helped us the scientific community has helped us understand our hearts how to take care of our bodies better the same is true with the brain mm -hmm. and so there's things we can learn from the study of the brain and these functions now that doesn't mean you uh take it all and end up with some kind of new christianity that's new age or you know what i'm saying yeah uh, but uh, to me, the more I know about the brain, 
the more I know about the scientific view of the brain, the more I would have to say that science is proving that the Bible has been true all along. Um, and for instance, where Paul says, take captive your thinking, or he says, think on these things. Well, the reality is that the study of the brain has shown that when people ruminate and are negative in their thinking, what happens is it creates a, a niche or a groove in the electrical current of the brain that connects it and it just keeps going around and it is most difficult for people to get out of that. And so they develop depression, pessimism, you know, all these kinds of things because they can't think differently. And so when Paul says to change your thinking, he's right on. That's exactly what you have to do. And interestingly enough, scripture also teaches us that we need to let out and ruminate. We need to let that pain out. But the interesting thing is, is that in, if you look at um, lamenting in the Bible, it tells you, go ahead and complain to God, but then you loop out of that and go in a different circle and say, and while I'm waiting, I will trust him and love him and serve him. And so it's just remarkable how the study of the brain is proving that scripture's right anyway. Yes, and in fact, if they don't see a way forward, they're going to become hopeless. And it's hard to find places that are accepting. For instance, if you have a child with autism or um, <clears throat> is not able to sit still, it's very difficult to find a church where you can go. And many people end up staying home, and it's, it's, it's sad. Now, I would encourage people to check out ministry like key ministries, reframing ministries, those are two, um, as well as Fresh Hope. Uh, ministries such as this are going to at least provide some support online. And if you have that, then you can begin to kind of maneuver and you may discover, for instance, that there is a church, it's not close like you'd like, but there is a church physically that you could go to, or at least you have community online to support you. Do you see movement in the evangelical world toward more acceptance, toward more understanding? Yes, I do. And, and unfortunately, uh, for instance, uh, Kay and Rick Warren, uh, the, when they lost their son to suicide, when he died by suicide, that is situations like that as terrible as they are i believe they're they're forcing the church to really look at these things and to talk about it and i commend uh, rick and Kay for what they're doing i 
was out at their first mental health conference and spoke on one of the panels. And I just know that by them, with their huge platform like they have, that is calling the church really at large to deal with some of this. And um, the Catholic Church has been really good about addressing it along even with the evangelicals out there in California. So I see it moving, <clears throat> but like the Christian Church is many times, it's a little slow to the game. And then it's behind when it finally gets to the point of addressing something. And one of the things that concerns me is in the United States, we have this idea that only professionals can help profession or can help people with mental illness. And so we, we actually contribute to what's called learned helplessness. And so somebody with a mental illness, uh, they, they're, so to speak, the nonverbals are, you have to see a doctor, you have to see a therapist, they're going to teach you, you can't really do life on your own. You, you can't do it. And what's going on in the, what's really going on in the worldwide movement of mental health stuff is that people are recognizing the fact that somebody who has lived experience with mental illness, who's a little bit farther down the road in recovery, can actually help the other people <clears throat> that are diagnosed. And the research is showing it is as helpful and sometimes more helpful. And so the Christian church, it's my prayer that once we really get to the point where we're really addressing this, that we realize we have, a, we have an army full of people who have lived experience with mental health issues that can help other people. You don't need to hire a psychologist onto your staff. Uh, you don't, you don't, there, peer to peer ministry works that all the research shows that as long as it's not a, uh, a kind of a ruminating kind of ministry where they just come and they talk and they complain and there's research that shows that just makes people sicker but when it's hope-filled and it's a directed recovery people get better and they stay better longer but you know why are we so slow to catch on aa has known this for years yeah. <laughs> You know, they know that the sponsors help the people. And you don't, when somebody is an alcoholic, they don't necessarily go to a doctor. They might see a therapist for a while. And, and that's not to say we don't need doctors and therapists. We absolutely do. That's absolutely, that's on one side. That's the medical side. That's what you have. Here's how to deal with it, blah, blah, blah. The peer side is the flip side, and that is, okay, now you got this, here's how you live practically, you know? And if I have bipolar disorder, which I do, and you have bipolar disorder, and we're in a meeting together, I could call you out and say, hey, Paul, that's not bipolar disorder. That's just bad thinking. Yeah, right, right. Or stinking thinking. Yeah. And you're gonna accept that from me versus a doctor might not even be able to say it directly enough to you. Yeah, how do I get a hold of Fresh Hope for Mental Health and access that? You just go to freshhope.us. And um, we've got a couple of new things that are happening. Um, we also have, well, besides groups across the globe, I mean, we don't have them everywhere in every country, but um, we have them across the United States, as well as we have groups online. 
but we also have groups for teenagers and we are going to be starting a thing for pastors so that pastors can find secure places where they can really talk and share and then we have a new thing called hope coaching and hope coaching is where we took the research hope has been researched how it works has been researched for over 25 years and um, what we did is basically boil that down into about three to four steps of how to help people pivot from hopelessness to hope. And what we're doing is training and certifying coaches to help people do that. You don't have, that is for anybody, but you don't have to have a mental health diagnosis for that. And um, when people are going through difficult times, that way we can co we can actually implement that into the church's ministries and it can help the pastors um, make life easier for them because they have some lay people who are trained to walk alongside of other people and help them pivot from hopelessness to hope. Yeah, that's really, really, really important. Brad Hoffs, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been a pleasure. Keep up the good work. It's much needed in our culture today. Thank you. Good to be with you. And that's what we do here on Life Support. We talk about how Jesus interacts with these very difficult issues, and I'm just encouraged by Psalm 119.76. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. And that's what Brad's talking about. That's hope. Our hope is in Christ and in each other. And so I want to thank our wonderful partners here on Life Support, Faith Radio, which gives us this wonderful platform at MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check it out on Ridgewood Church as well at myrwc.org. We'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.